Good morning, my friends, and welcome to yet another incredible installment from very high above all other puerile and pedantic forms of Wyoming mainstream media. This is Cowboy State Politics. I, of course, am your illustrious host, David Iverson, firmly ensconced behind the silver Cowboy State Politics microphone and broadcasting to you from the base of the Big Horns in beautiful Buffalo, Wyoming. Good morning, my friends, and welcome to the program. We begin this morning with the Wyoming Republican Party State Central Committee meeting that's going to be held this Saturday in Jackson Hole. Perhaps the most important things that are going to be discussed in Jackson are the officer elections for the next two years. Douglas rancher Frank Moore is running against current chairman Frank Ethorn, also of Douglas. There's very little information online as to Frank Moore's political ideology, but we can tell a lot from the people that are supporting him for chairman. Take, for example, Wildfile's Carrie Drake. Carrie Drake used to be the editor at the Red Star and at the Wyoming Tribune Eagle. His latest opinion piece is entitled, Wyoming's Most Important Election? State GOP Chairman. And then it's subtitled, Incumbent Ethorn wants to take party further to the right, but Challenger hopes to unite dysfunctional Republicans. And I quote, Moore, a 70-year-old cheap rancher who left the legislature in 1996 to pursue his business goals, hasn't been involved in state party politics for many years. Moore's conservative credentials are well established, and he says he supports the GOP platform 100%. But given the divisive attitude of his opponent, Moore's strengths, his not-so-secret weapon, is that he's nothing like Ethorn. Quote, I think I can bring this party back together, Moore told the Cowboy State Daily. That's really why I stuck my neck into this thing. End quote. Really, the rest of Drake's column is nothing but a hit piece. But you get the point. Moore good, Ethorn bad. And I quote, the Republican Big Tent championed by former President Ronald Reagan is so torn and tattered in Wyoming, Ethorn has washed his hands of it. The chairman doesn't need everyone on board after he's carved out so much power by relentlessly pushing an alt-right agenda that opposes abortion, bullies the LGBTQ community, and wants to ban books, rewrite racial history, and spit at the federal government. However, Ethorn may need at least a few of those rhinos he's bashed to vote to keep him as chairman, since moderate members won a surprising number of GOP Central Committee seats in March. Come Saturday, there will be only 69 voters, the county chair, committee man, and committee woman from each of the 23 counties. End quote. Even though Kerry Drake obviously knows nothing about the Wyoming Republican Party, it's pretty clear from his column that he wants Frank Moore to win. The question is why. Though Drake doesn't say much more about Frank Moore, he goes on to bash Frank Ethorn. But the reason why he wants Frank Moore to win is very clear. Drake doesn't see Moore as a conservative. He views him as a, quote, traditional Republican or whatever these redcoats are trying to rebrand themselves as. Big spending, big government, liberal Republicans. Or you could take a look at the somewhat effusive praise coming from the cow pie. Leo Wolfson's article, Douglas Sheep Rancher Frank Moore to Run Against Frank Ethorn to Lead State Republican Party, says, and I quote, Stressing a message of unity, former legislator and longtime sheep rancher Frank Moore told Cowboy State Daily that he is running for chairman of the Wyoming Republican Party because he wants to, quote, bring the party back together. Quote, 
I think the leadership style that I would bring to the Republican Party would give people an opportunity to visit with me and see whether they wanted to come back, he said. I think I can bring this party back together. That's really why I stuck my neck into this thing, end quote. The rest of Wolfson's article is yet another hit piece on Frank Ethorn. The last 15 paragraphs talk about what a great guy Frank Moore is. It begins with noting that he was on the board of the Kansas City Federal Reserve Bank from 1993 to 1996. You'll never guess who else was on that board. None other than Wyoming Governor Mark Gordon. And just about the only thing on Frank Moore's Facebook page that even speaks to his political ideology is a picture of him with that little banner that says we need more Mark Gordon in Wyoming. I think all conservatives could agree that that is the last thing that this state needs. The truth is, is that Frank Ethorn has built a strong conservative coalition in Wyoming. The vast majority of Wyoming citizens are conservative. But for many, many years before Ethorn's leadership, the Wyoming Republican Party reflected what was happening down in Cheyenne. Those who were running for office told their constituents that they were conservative and that they didn't like bigger government or a lot of spending. And then they got to Cheyenne and they did exactly the opposite. But perhaps the greatest fear of all of the Redcoats in Wyoming and the Wyoming media is how Kerry Drake ended his column. Quote, the stakes are high for Ethorn's possible re-election. As GOP chairman, he'll help get more far-right Wyoming Freedom Caucus members in House seats. With 26 members out of 62 representatives, they only need six more to take control of the chamber. That's a far scarier threat to Wyoming politics than any I can recall. If you think the legislature wasted too much time this year debating hot-button social issues that don't even affect Wyoming, buckle up for the horror show that will ensue with that majority. End quote. Ethorn made it his mission to turn the Wyoming Republican Party, the body that is supposed to represent grassroots Republicans in the state, back to the conservative roots of the people that make up the party. And right now, that the Redcoats are not in charge of the Wyoming Republican Party, their greatest fear is that Chairman Frank will continue his mission into turning Wyoming more conservative, where it needs to be. Right now, Wyoming is facing the same issues that many other states are. An increased LGBTQ ad agenda in K-12 education, drag shows masquerading as charitable events, Library books that bear more resemblance to Hustler magazine than anything remotely related to education. A bloated state budget with no end in sight. An end to any restriction on abortion in Wyoming whatsoever. And a state that kowtows to everything that comes from the federal government, including mask and vaccine mandates. If Frank Moore is anything like the people that are supporting him, we need to stay as far away from him being chairman of the Wyoming Republican Party as we possibly can. As Vladimir Lenin said, show me who your friends are, and I'll show you who you are. Now I'm sure that Frank Moore is a delightful fellow, and I'm sure that he really does have what he considers Wyoming's best interests at heart, but he's certainly not a conservative by the measure of all of the people that are supporting him. If he were, we would have heard more discussion as to what he actually believes, what his voting record is, and where he wants to take the state. But if you'll notice, we haven't seen any of that in the Wyoming media, and that's probably because they know exactly what will happen, that it will turn off Wyoming conservatives from voting for him. Fortunately, though, given the few seats that the frontier Republican types gained in this past election, they're probably still outnumbered two to one. 
That being said, though, Kerry Drake is right about one thing. The stakes of this election are pretty high. If we want Wyoming to continue on the conservative path that we started in this past election, we should continue with the conservative leadership of Chairman Frank and Vice Chairman David Holland. Oh, and I forgot one more media type that is also supporting Frank Moore, our pal Rod Miller. Now, it wasn't that long ago that Rod Miller helped Carly Provenza cut a campaign ad. Now, while he speaks of conservatism over and over in his columns, he's not anywhere close to that. If Rod Miller is supporting Frank Moore for chairman of the Wyoming Republican Party, he's definitely not a conservative, and we should absolutely not vote for him. Again, tell me who your friends are, and I'll show you who you are. Now really, the only thing Frank Moore has said that he's going to do for the Republican Party is bring unity, bring everybody together. In every single article that's been written about Mr. Moore, that's the only thing that he says. He's particularly skilled at bringing people together. So what does Frank Moore actually mean by all of this unity business? It really doesn't mean anything. Because right now, there's only one county that's still refusing to pay their shares to the state Republican Party, and that's Natrona County. Laramie County voted as a group. The vote was unanimous to pay their shares, their long-owed shares, to the state party. In other words, there's only one county that doesn't believe in unity right now. So if that's the case, Frank Moore is only running at the behest of Natrona County, and I don't really think that that's true. It'd be a pretty terrible platform if it were. For the past four years or so, the only people that have really been talking about unity with the party are the frontier Republicans, those people who were in power and then lost to the conservatives. They're the disaffected Democrats that have been in the Republican Party for years. Perhaps you think that that's too harsh of a criticism. Well, let's go back to Kerry Drake's article. And I quote, But in a state where all it takes to win most contests is an R behind a candidate's name, Republicans wholly dominate federal, state, and local politics. End quote. Drake is all but admitting that a lot of the people who got elected in our last election, 31 of them in the House to be precise, who call themselves Republican, are really Democrats who put that R beside their name so that they could win an election. So really, the only disunity you see in the Wyoming Republican Party is that the conservatives are in control. And there's a group of disaffected Democrats who just happen to call themselves Republican who don't like the leadership and the current direction of the party. And that direction is decidedly more conservative. But aside from Kerry Drake's random act of honesty in his column, the real unity that all of these redcoats are talking about is unity of message. But just like the Democrats, when they talk about compromise, these redcoats really don't mean unity. You see, when Democrats talk about compromise, what they want you to do is agree with their way of thinking. Why wouldn't you agree to raise the debt limit without restriction? Why wouldn't you agree to ban gas stoves? All of the ridiculous arguments that the Democrats make. They're not willing to compromise their position, but because Republicans have a history of compromising ours, when they say compromise, they mean agree with us. And that's very similar to what all of these people mean when they say unity. They're not really talking about unity of message, because if they were, they would go with the people that are in power. The people who have the majority, the conservatives. Really what they're talking about is getting the conservatives to agree with the left-leaning liberal Republican position. But let's look at it another way. At its core, the Wyoming Republican Party is just another deliberative body. 
It's the grassroots conservatives or grassroots Republicans that come together to debate positions. And then the state party pushes those positions and tries to convince legislators to side with them in policy decisions. So at any state meeting, just like the one that's going to happen on Saturday, there's a whole section devoted to resolutions. These resolutions come from Wyoming's 23 counties, and they cover all sorts of issues. It could be critical race theory to land exchanges to uh, coal or natural resources. Whatever issue that the county parties think is important, it's voted on at the county level, and then it's brought to the state to be debated or deliberated on. And then if the whole body decides that that's an issue that the entire body wants to take up, then the state party passes a resolution, and then that is passed on to legislators and other elected officials. I have been in attendance at just about every state central committee meeting for the last three years. And I don't remember a time where a single county was not represented at the meeting. There have been a few meetings where maybe it was too far for delegates to travel, so they sent one person with proxy votes to vote on various issues. And that brings up another point, that just about everything in the Republican Party is voted on. Actually, the more I think about it, everything is. And so, since every single county is represented, and they vote on everything, not a single county can claim disenfranchisement. Each county gets three votes, and the party votes on everything. There is the issue of Laramie County losing most of their delegates at last year's state convention. But that was not a result of them not paying their shares to the state party. It was a result, however, of them violating their own bylaws at their county convention. But even that issue was debated. So Laramie County losing their delegates was not a result of them not paying their shares or anything that Chairman Frank Ethorn did. It was a direct result, though, of what Laramie County did to themselves. They violated their own bylaws, and thus the delegates that they sent to the state party convention could not be certified because the correct process was not followed in Laramie County so that they could be certified. Now, the reason why Laramie County did their election that way is because they've been experiencing, just like every other place in the state, a surge in conservative action in politics. There are a number of conservatives that got more involved in the Laramie County Republican Party, and so leadership decided to monkey with the bylaws so that those folks would not be sent to the state convention. That's exactly what happened. So if Frank Moore is running for chairman based on solely on the idea that he's going to bring unity to the party, then he is arguing that we ought to forego any violation of our own bylaws just so that we can include everybody, so that he can bend the rules so that more liberal delegates can be sent to state committee meetings and to the convention. If that's the kind of unity that Frank Moore is advocating for, I want no part of it. I've got a couple more things to say on this whole Frank Moore business. But first, a completely obscene and totally self-aggrandizing profit timeout. Cowboy State Politics is brought to you by Morton Buildings. It's spring. It looks to be kind of official. I might be going out on a limb here, but it appears that the only possibility of white stuff is still on Memorial Day weekend during the Fishing Derby in Buffalo. So that being the case, 
it's time to start thinking about that building to put all of your fun summertime toys in. You know, that way when you're done being out on the lake, you can stash your boat inside the building and it won't fill up with rain. Imagine that, rain and not snow. Well, the experts that you should talk to about metal building construction are Nick and Jesse at Morton Buildings. Their phone number is 307-674-2532, or you can check them out on their website at mortonbuildings.com. It doesn't really matter what type of building you've been thinking about. Just tell Nick and Jesse and they'll handle all the details. Whether it's a garage or a barn or a roping arena or even a giant warehouse for your business, Morton Buildings is the company to talk to. Again, their phone number is 307-674-2532 or mortonbuildings.com. Right now is the highest we've ever seen gun markets, and the best performers are the vintage collectible firearms. Winchesters, Colts, and rare military weapons. Over in Cody, Gunrunner Auctions is one of the nation's leading online auction houses, and they're celebrating their 24th year. Gunrunner Auctions is unique in that their specialty is estate firearms. They get calls all week long about lifelong gun collections coming to auction. Scott Weber, the owner, has been into firearms for almost 60 years, and he first travels to the estate and appraises the firearms for the heirs, and then he takes them to his Cody auction facility where he and his team research them, sometimes getting factory letters from the Cody Museum to learn more about each firearm's history. Every month, beginning on the 7th, Scott and his crew post 500 fine firearms for sale. All of them start at 20 bucks with no reserve. Gunrunner Auctions only charges 15% for selling your precious firearms. They've sold the personal collections of Elvis Presley, Steve McQueen, Alex McCord, and Herb Parsons, just to name a few. With their 40,000 bidders in all 50 states, they'll realize the highest prices for your precious firearms. That's GunrunnerAuctions.com. It's T-minus one week and counting until I bring you that breaking news story that I've been working on. I'm telling you, it's a monster, and you definitely don't want to miss it. You can listen to the podcast on any of your favorite podcasting apps. iHeartRadio, iTunes, TuneIn, really any of them will work. But the easiest way is just to go to the website, cowboystatepolitics.com. There, you can find all of the shows, as well as any of the articles that I might bring up during the course of a program. If your name is Sleepy Joe Biden or Dan Zwanitzer, and you don't quite understand how our government is supposed to work, well... You can go to CowboyStatePolitics.com, pull up an article, and educate yourself before you talk to the Casper Star Tribune again. Not that they'll print anything that even resembles journalism anyway. And now, back to the program. And here's the last thing I'll say about this. In politics, in a deliberative body like the Republican Party, you can't just pick up your ball and go home when things don't go your way, when you lose a vote or when you're not in the majority. That is exactly what Laramie County and Natrona County did. They didn't like who won the party elections, and so they decided that they weren't going to play the game. It should be noted, however, that since that time, Laramie County has paid their shares to the state Republican Party. Or at least I, I heard that they voted to pay their shares. I don't know if the check is actually cleared or not. But they've decided that they're going to come back and they're going to play the game according to the rules that they agreed upon. 
The only county that has not paid their shares is Natrona County. And their stated reason for that is they don't like how the party is being run right now. They've picked up their ball and gone home. So if Frank Moore is talking about unity, he really doesn't mean unity of purpose, and he doesn't mean that everybody plays by the same rules, unity in vision, or anything like that. He's talking about bringing more liberal people into the party. That's essentially it. Now again, we have to assume this, because Frank Moore has not really put out any policy positions whatsoever. The only thing he said is, well, I support the Republican Party platform 100%. Well, if that's true, why do all these commentators like Rod Miller and Kerry Drake support Frank Moore? Well, that's a question that only Frank Moore can answer. Everybody knows where Chairman Frank Ethorn stands. Why don't we know where Frank Moore does? Speaking of Democrats that are hiding in the Wyoming Republican Party, it would appear that Senate President Ogden Driscoll has received a little bit of pushback from his decision to remove Dave Kinski as chairman of appropriations and replace him with Senator Slither's Tara Nethercott. Senator Sherry Steinmetz of Senate District No. 3 has publicly objected to Driscoll's actions. In a press release that was sent out yesterday, Senator Steinmetz said, and I quote, Regardless of who serves as president of the Wyoming Senate, it is a position of service, not a kingship. Recent actions taken by the Wyoming Senate president had led me to address this issue because I voted for him. In an unprecedented manipulation of legislative power, the Wyoming Senate president took it upon himself to notify a committee chairman that he had been removed from his position and subsequently replaced with another. This action is specifically prohibited by Senate Rule 2.8, which states that no change shall be made in any committee except by a vote of the majority of the members of the Senate, end quote. This whole situation is fascinating, first, because I don't think that it's ever happened before, but second, if the Senate were in session, one of the senators could merely just raise a point of order and say that Rule 2.8 prohibits the move that Driscoll tried to make. But the Senate is not in session and thus can't take a vote as mandated by Senate Rule 2.8, which requires a majority of the senators to remove a chairman. In other words, you have a point of order being called when a body is not in session. From everything that I've found, this really is an unprecedented situation. I can't find another example of where a presiding officer, either the Speaker of the House or the Senate President, has chosen to remove a chairman during the interim. Let's take another attack at this. Carly Provenza sent out that tweet that called all of us that oppose the transgender agenda racists and bigots, or I think she said fascists and bigots. Well, the legislature is not in session right now, so technically, Carly Provenza could not be disciplined right now, even if they wanted to. The legislature cannot take action if they're not in session. Even if there's some sort of emergency that happens, such as, you know, COVID or mask and vaccine mandates, the legislature has to be called back into a special session in order to take any action whatsoever. So it follows that if leadership is going to take some sort of action, specifically in the Senate, the legislature has to be in session. Now, here's why I say specific to the Senate. Because in the House, things work differently. The Speaker of the House has the discretion to appoint and move committee members and chairmen around at his will. It doesn't have to be ratified by the body, even though I think that it should be. So this whole thing with Driscoll and Kinsky would be a totally different story if it were taking place in the House. But it's not. It's in the Senate. And the Senate has rules, rules that Ogden Driscoll isn't following. So back to Senator Steinmetz's letter. She ends it this way, quote, 
The Senate has set a high bar regarding decorum, collegiality, and process. We must refuse to stand by and watch as these long-standing tenets are dismantled. We must publicly object to this action on the basis that the Senate ratified both the committee members and the chairman through a formal process on the floor of the Wyoming Senate and enforce the provisions of Senate Rule 2-8. Otherwise, who will the president come after next? Who knows? Even so, we must not allow the voice of one to prevail over the voice of the people who speak through their elected senators, end quote. So anyhow, this thing is still unfolding, and I'll keep you updated as we go along. As it turns out, though, things aren't looking so hot for the good senator from Hewlett. On Monday, the Sheridan Press weighed in with their typical unskilled grasp of the English language. Quote, whether the removal is allowed by Senate rules is disagreed upon by the pair. Senate Rule 2.8 only refers to membership within a committee and says, quote, No change shall be made in any committee except by a vote of the majority of the members of the Senate. End quote. The rule says, no change. Switching up the chairman would most definitely be a change in the committee. But there's another interesting thing in the article, and this is absolutely typical of Ogden Driscoll. When the first reason that he uses to do something doesn't pan out, he adds to it. This is totally new, and I quote, Dave either intentionally or unintentionally did not work with his committee, and the committee came to me about his inability to use them in any fashion. He just went and did things on his own and left them in the cold and didn't work with them, Driscoll said. I'm not mad at Dave personally. I'm disappointed in his inability to follow direction or to work with his committee. End quote. This is totally different than what he told the cow pie on April 27th, and I quote, Driscoll said he didn't see the same level of effort to attend that meeting from Kinsky, who's also on the management council. Quote, this was the most important committee meeting of the year, Driscoll said. It was disheartening he wasn't there. Driscoll said that's why he removed Kinsky from his chairmanship of the Senate Appropriations Committee. End quote. So now that things have gotten a little bit more complicated for Driscoll, he has to add poor job performance on top of it. The truth is, Ogden Driscoll doesn't have the power to remove Dave Kinsky. One more little item of note on this topic. The Legislative Service Office has already changed the website to reflect that the chairman of Senate Appropriations is Tara Nethercott, even though that decision by Driscoll is being objected to by senators. It always just gets deeper and deeper where Ogden Driscoll is concerned. And then there's this. Our legislature still cannot figure out that people ought to be able to make their own health care decisions, even though it says exactly that in the Wyoming Constitution. Front page of the Pravda on the Plat this morning. Divide shows on health issues. And I quote, at the same time, Representative Jeanette Ward of Casper asked the committee to add medical freedom, which included prohibitions on vaccine and mask rules, as a new interim topic. Her motion to request the legislature's management council add the topic failed by a slim 7-6 to six vote. Just think about that. In Wyoming, we have repeatedly failed to get any sort of prohibition on mask and vaccine mandates that come from the federal government. All of these legislators preach and jump up and down and say we have to resist the federal government. But when it comes right down to it, they are incapable of doing so. That vote took place in the Joint Labor and Health Committee. I don't even have to look at the vote totals to tell you exactly who voted against your medical freedom. 
It's not surprising at all. Senator Fred Baldwin, Senator Eric Barlow, Senator Dan Dockstadter, and then the representatives, Zwanitzer, Chadwick, Clouston, O'Hearn, and Mike Yin. Four of which are probably members of the Wyoming caucus. You know, the one that you've heard about in the Wyoming media for, I don't know, the last three months, or at least since the legislative session ended. So we have a constitutional amendment that specifically says you have the right to make your own health care decisions. And then you have the caucus, the Wyoming caucus, that claims to be about Wyoming solutions for Wyoming problems. That's what the mantra they kept repeating. And here you have four members of that very caucus voting against, bringing, even bringing up the topic just to discuss the possibility of banning mask and vaccine mandates. They don't even want to talk about it. That's because they genuinely do not care about your freedom. I mean, I know that that's a bold statement, but just judge them by their actions. Why is it that we are so blind as a state that we can listen to the words that they say, we're, a cons we're conservatives, we're traditional Republicans, and then they vote for things like not even bringing up the topic of medical freedom whatsoever, when every single person in the state has been and is still being affected by mask and vaccine issues. It runs contrary to the very idea of Wyoming, rugged individualism and all of that. Nope, we've traded that in. Traded it for reliance on the federal government. The very definition of slavery. To be reliant on a far-off, distant federal government. To allow them to make your decisions for you. And then when the topic comes up, absolutely refusing to even discuss it. From the article, quote, Ward's proposal to discuss medical freedom, and medical freedom is in quotation marks as if that's something that doesn't actually exist, as if it's not enshrined in our state constitution. They have to put scare quotes around it. But anyway, medical freedom was one of those that originally did not make the cut. A handful of hardline conservative lawmakers coalesced around three or four topics, but the rest of the committee did not rank them as a priority, Zwanitzer said in an interview. Ward said in an email that she continued to push for the committee to discuss banning vaccine and testing mandates because there are still concerns among those she represents. Quote, just a few days ago, folks contacted me because their daughter cannot finish her dental hygiene degree because the school requires so-called vaccination for COVID-19, Ward said. My own daughter wants to go into nursing, but refuses to be injected with experimental gene therapy, which appears to be required for nursing programs. It is despicable that this is still a thing in Wyoming. And here's another one for you. Towards the end of the article, and I absolutely love this, quote, it's pretty rare for committees to debate issues before we've seen wording in front of us. Most of the time, there's kind of an agreement. Let's put something in writing so that we can actually debate and then we can decide we don't like it or we can amend it or something that moves the ball down the field, he said. But when you refuse to put a ball on the field or to even start the game, it's like, are we wasting taxpayer dollars even meeting if we're going to stop everything that at the beginning stages? End quote. Remind you of anything, you know, not wanting to put the ball on the field, you know, maybe to uh, discuss banning mask and vaccine mandates. But of course, that doesn't fit into Zwanitzer's agenda. So, you know, what he tries to do is the things that he doesn't agree with. Well, that doesn't figure into his analysis. And that's why he can say he can accuse the conservative members of the committee of saying, well, you don't want to put the ball on the field. You don't even want to talk about it. Because that's not one of the things that's in his agenda, you see. When he doesn't want to talk about banning masks and vaccine mandates, well, that's entirely legitimate. 
But when other members of the committee refuse to even bring up a topic, well, that is a travesty in the committee, and it's totally unprecedented in the history of the legislature. My friends, it's all bullcrap. All of it. Everything that these, these jokers in Cheyenne are saying. They're not in it for your freedom. They're not in it for your liberty. And they don't even want to talk about it because it fits outside of their agenda. They want to be the ones that dictate what are the issues that are important to you. Wyoming solutions for Wyoming problems is what they all say. But when all of us are facing the same problem and that we have been facing it for the last three years, but it's one that they don't want to talk about, well, that, that, that's an issue that's not happening in Wyoming. This is so hypocritical that I can barely stand it, my friends. And frankly, we're way past a time where we should be counting on anybody in Cheyenne to make our lives any better, because frankly, that's not going to happen. The reverse is actually true. A lot of what's been done in Cheyenne makes our lives more difficult. They pass more laws that further restrict your liberty. They spend more of our money, and then they cry when we have budget problems. The only thing that we can do, my friends, is to take charge of our own lives. If we're, if we're tired of what's happening in Cheyenne, we're tired of them trampling on our freedom, then we need to get off our tails and do something about it. Just about every community in Wyoming has a pretty active local Republican Party. You know, some are more active than others. For example, the Sheridan County Republican Women. I mean, they're by far one of the loudest lobbying groups in the state. But there's other communities, even in Little Buffalo, there's a couple of groups that are um, growing and they're trying to be more active. So all we have to do uh, individually, ourselves, is get off the couch, get to a meeting, and meet like-minded individuals and figure out what we're going to do about all of this. That's the only way that we're going to make any change in our state. But again, it's up to us. It always has been and it always will be. And until we're the ones that do it, nothing is going to change. Certainly, you can't count on any of those people in Cheyenne to do it for you. That is the very antithesis of freedom. With freedom comes responsibility, and until we take responsibility for our own lives, nothing's going to change. Well, that'll about do it for today's installment of the program. Have a good rest of your week, and we'll talk again tomorrow during the live broadcast that begins at 10 a.m., you can find the link on CowboyStatePolitics.com or on the Cowboy State Politics Facebook page. But for now, from the base of the Bighorns in beautiful Buffalo, Wyoming, I'm David Iverson, and this is the one and only Cowboy State Politics.